This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 19, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama wants billions to fund systems of so-called high-speed rail around the United States. But those billions represent a mere down payment on the plan, and the plan hasn't really been fleshed out yet. And Congress has yet to truly put its stamp on it. And that's more than a little troubling to Cato Institute senior fellow Randall O'Toole. Well, the White House says that high-speed rail will revolutionize American travel the same way that President Eisenhower's interstate highway system revolutionized American travel. But there are several crucial differences between high-speed rail and interstate highways. First of all, before Congress allocated a single dime to interstate highways, they got a pretty good idea from the Bureau of Public Roads how much it was going to cost, where they were going to go, how they were going to pay for it, and who was going to be served by interstate highways. Congress has already allocated $8 billion to high-speed rail. It has no idea how much it's going to cost. It has no idea who's going to ride the trains. It has no idea where the money's going to come from. And although we have a rough idea of where the trains are going to go, it turns out building the system that President Obama has proposed is going to cost $90 billion, or 11, more than 11 times as much as Congress has already allocated. So which fraction of that system are they going to build with the, with the $8 billion that Congress has allocated? Nobody knows. So there's all these questions on the table, and it's pretty clear that uh, Congress just wants to spend money, and they're not asking these kinds of questions. How much of a political football will locations of stops, endpoints, uh, towns through which rail will travel, how much of a political football is that or will it become? I think that's really the danger, is that even if we could agree to spend $90 billion on the Obama high-speed rail plan, and even if we knew where the money was going to come from, there's a slippery slope, and that cities that aren't on the rail line or cities that are on the rail line but aren't connected to other cities that are on the rail, on the network, uh, are going to say, we want these connections. For example, the Obama plan includes a line from San Antonio to Dallas and from Houston to New Orleans, but no line between Houston and any other city in Texas, San Antonio, uh, Austin, Dallas, or whatever. And so uh, people in Texas are going to say, we want a line from Dallas to Houston. People in Florida are going to say, why are we building a line from uh, Atlanta to Jacksonville and Orlando to Miami, but not a line from Jacksonville to Orlando? People in Colorado are going to say, why did you skip the Rocky Mountains altogether? The Obama high-speed rail network connects about 60 cities and about 33 states, but it doesn't even connect them because it's actually six different networks. There's no way to get from the West Coast to the Midwest. There's no way to get from the Midwest to the East Coast. There's no high-speed rail connection. You have to transfer to low-speed rail. And so... Uh, there are all these connections, and when you start to fill in the gaps, that's going to make the cost a lot more. There's a second problem, and that they're really talking about two systems. They're talking about an extremely expensive system in California of trains that are going to run 200 miles an hour, and a less expensive, but still expensive, system of trains in the rest of the country that are going to run only 100 or 110 miles an hour. And by the way, these are top speeds. The average speed of a 200-mile-an-hour train might be 140 miles an hour. The average speed of a 110-mile-an-hour train might be 70 miles an hour. So we've got 70-mile-an-hour trains in most of the country and 140-mile-an-hour trains in California. 
and half the money is going to have to go to California to build those 140-mile-an-hour trains. And so Illinois and Texas and Florida are going to say, why uh, are they getting half the money? Why don't we build some 200-mile-an-hour trains too so we can have trains at average 140 mile an hour? But it's going to be a lot more expensive. If they all do that, we're talking $500, $600, $700 billion, not $90 billion. You and I have talked about this before, but when the administration or proponents of these rail plans talk about the plan, they use the term high-speed rail. They call it high-speed rail. 110 mile an hour is really moderate-speed rail. It's the same speed as American, many American railroads had passenger trains running back in the 1930s. You could take a 100 210 mile an hour train between Washington and New York, or between Chicago and, and Minneapolis, or between uh, uh, Los Angeles and San Diego uh, 50, 50, 60 years ago. So this is nothing really new. What's interesting, though, is that they're relying on people's complacency. They're relying on people's assumptions that high-speed rail will attract a lot of riders, that it's going to be environmentally sound, that it's going to save energy, and none of those assumptions are true either. For example, the average interstate, the average American travels 4,000 miles a year on interstates. Uh, and the interstate highway system, although expensive, was paid for fully out of gas taxes and other highway user fees. The average American, according to the best estimates today, is going to ride high-speed rail less than 60 miles a year, six zero miles a year, just a tiny, tiny fraction of the amount we travel on interstates. And yet, it's going to, all of the cost of the high-speed rail is going to have to come out of general tax dollars. So, who are going to be the ones to ride it? It's going to be downtown employees who find it more convenient to take a train from, say, downtown uh, Atlanta to downtown Jacksonville than to fly. Uh, if you're a suburban employee, it's going to be a lot more convenient to fly because the airports are a lot closer and the plane is a lot faster and it's not going to be any more expensive. So we're talking about downtown employees. Who works downtown? Bankers, lawyers, lobbyists, government officials. They're going to be the ones who are taking the train they're not exactly the people who need our transportation subsidies. And yet they're the ones who are going to be enjoying all the benefits of the $90 billion to $500 billion that everybody else is going to have to pay. Hino Institute Senior Fellow Randall O'Toole is author of the book, The Best Laid Plans. You can get your copy at cato.org.